when we look at exercise, how do we eliminate the things that we do that really don't do much, you know? And so that's a big part of technology, we think, is to give you back time. Here's what you need. Don't bother with this other stuff. Is that your your introduction to me? Yeah, go ahead. I'd like to you. have you introduce every now and then. No, you, you do a nice job since you, you you come more prepared than I am. I I, I do come more prepared. So, so ladies yeah. and gentlemen, that voice you just heard was the sultry tones of the Sultan of Sepsis, Dr. Sarah Sugger. <laughs> uh, I have to come up with a moniker for myself. Should I let you do it or should I do it myself? Uh, let I don't me know think if I can trust you. I was going to think the queen of the kidney, but no, I, maybe that's see. not, you know. But Sultan of Sepsis. My, my pronouns are he and him. So I am Dr. Clinton Coleman. Welcome back to Recommended Daily Dose. We have a special guest, Dr. Phil Wagner. He is the CEO and founder of Sparta Science, a movement intelligence company dedicated to helping the world move better. His company, uh, Sparta Science, applies modern data science techniques to help better understand and improve overall health and well-being. That sounds like a, a mouthful. So I, I think we're going to try to get into things like movement health, some biomechanics, health technology, um, injury prevention, stuff like that. So I'm, I'm excited to talk to him today. So welcome to the show. And, and not only that, but I mean, eventually help Clinton who move better. I know you're you're uh, an amazing athlete, and I would like to, love to hear about your uh, how you got into this and your background. But I'm unaware if you knew Phil that uh, Clinton also is a very accomplished uh, jazzercise athlete, as well as a competitive uh, speedwalker. So I think that this I have, can, I have an Olympic you know, gold medal in both. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a tennis player and a runner, so I think this is applicable to everyone. But let's start off with you because you are uh, a star uh, sports player, and uh, I understand a football player. Is there a D1? Is that the start there? How you got into it? Yeah, I think uh, football is a right, certainly a traumatic game. Yeah, right? and, and um, you know, certainly that 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 was a big kind of driver for me to to start this company was that you know there were so many injuries and there wasn't necessarily a recurring pattern like it wasn't all knees, it was mm. wrist, hamstring, knee, you know, head, roll the dice, um, and it, and it wasn't for a lack of training or preparation either which was equally frustrating. It'd be a lot easier to accept setbacks and injuries if you didn't prepare. Right. And now I have it. So, and I you know just a high level is that the idea is that what you're looking at is injury prevention uh, in sports and movement, but tailored an individual uh, risk reduction. Is that right? Is that, is that my understanding is that this is based upon, and I, I'm going to spark, speak very high level, uh, very, very, and then you're obviously going to dive into details, but based upon someone's biomechanics, someone's gates, their risk for various injuries. And I, I'm the when I was you know researching it and, and looking at you as a guest and, and just looking in the background of your amazing company, um, I think about it, you know, as a runner, like when I go to buy running shoes, is someone a pronator, supinator, an inverter, everter, do they need shoes with uh, uh, um, that have more medial support, uh, you know, a lateral support, et cetera. So is that kind of at a high level what, what the basis of, of your company is about and about your approach to in injury prevention? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, <clears throat> you know, kind of looking at movement as a vital sign and how very quickly identify, you know, what your movement health is. And then subsequently, you know, the best ways to continue moving well or get back to moving well. 
the only caveat to all this is like, what is moving well mean, right? And so that's where we started to think about technologies that can actually evaluate that and provide some sort of insight very quickly in doing that. So what kind of data points are you looking at specifically? You know, yes. full disclosure, you know, I, uh, I also run our clinical research department here and there's some interest in movement disorders as we have a large MS multiple sclerosis uh, department. There's some interest in uh, the MS physicians looking at that. Of course, as ID doc, it's not my expertise, but they're they're looking at studies. Um, one entity called Hunova, I believe, I may be mispronouncing that, but the idea is that kind of collecting data points and then um, getting a baseline and, and different interventions for MS and seeing how that may change um, one's gait and mobility. But what kind of data points do you, are you looking to collect? And then how does one take that information and then, you know, train to prevent injuries, et cetera? Yeah. But, you know, we started using uh, a singular device, a force plate, um, which is, you know, a little bit larger bathroom scale, gathers thousands of data points a second. So we started there because it, it's fairly easy to use and it captures, you know, a, a pretty wide breadth of data. And so we looked at, you know, basic movements like a jump, primarily in athletics. And then we started in the balance as you started looking at uh, neurological areas, uh, not only for athletes and soldiers with TBI, but then with fall risk in the elderly population. Mm. And the idea is that, you know, looking at those patterns of a jump or a balance once we started to crowdsource enough information from all different populations, locations, we started to cluster or bucket individuals into weaknesses. Mm. You know? And from there, once, once we start looking at interventions, we're able to see, okay, what interventions actually improve or actually degrade, you know, these different movement types. We call them movement signatures, right? But I think, you know, looking a lot, like pharmaceuticals, you gather blood, you know, really to see, hey, is this working or not, right? And so we kind of look at it the same way. How do we have this very quick movement test to see which interventions are positive or which really don't have an impact? Because I think a lot of times the biggest barrier to exercise, as we all know, is time. Yeah. Right. And so when we look at exercise, how do we eliminate the things that we do that really don't do much, you know? And so that's a big part of technology, we think, is to give you back time. Here's what you need. Don't bother with this other stuff. Right. And is most of this extrapolated through sports? Because, uh, you know, I have two um, two young boys. They play basketball. When I was growing up, the stuff that they're teaching them now as far as technique and especially with like the, you know, basketball itself and the footwork and you know, things like injury prevention and certain exercises do. We didn't have that back in the day. I, I know if I had that back in the day, I'd probably not be talking to you. I'd probably be on the Lakers or something like that. But um, ah. it's just the... Um, <laughs> you the should see Clinton the shoe collection. That, that's, that's a whole different podcast. But, that's, yeah, but that's the, I just think that the depth of knowledge we have about sports um, and what movements are actually, I guess, the correct movements... Um, uh, it's a long way to get to a question is like, um, you think the impetus, because with athletes, we, you know, they, they're the first to use technology. Um, I guess the next step is putting that into like their everyday patients as far as, you know, you know, exercising and weight loss and just, uh, you know, lifestyle prevention. Yeah. And that's, that is why we started in sports is they mm -hmm. often are the 
soonest to adopt new things, right? Um, you know, and that generally stems from a big drive to win, right? right. Competitive and advantage. Right. Do whatever it takes to win, right? So it was a natural place to start. Um, you know, most of our work now is in healthcare and in the military side of the house, you know, because their issue is they've just got a lot bigger scale, right? Rather yeah. than have got a, you know, you and the Lakers, rather than having 15 people on your team, right? Now you've got, you know, a thousand people coming through your PT clinics, right? Or you got a 10,000 army brigade, right? Mm. So that, that mass just makes movement problems magnified, right? And so how can you very quickly, you know, bucket thousand, 10,000 people into the right groups because highly unlikely they all need the same thing. Yes. And just like pharmaceuticals, we believe some movement can actually do harm, you know, in a lot of cases and they just, you know, heap on dysfunction, right? So how do you identify that and not do those instead of other options? Well, how quickly does this assessment take? Since we're talking about time and efficacy, if you're talking about applying this to, you know, large populations, um, is this something that's, you know, you're sitting in a chamber for half an hour all day? I mean, I think I was reading something online that this is relatively quick. That you can get a lot of data in a, in a short period of time. Yeah, our, our pace car is weighing in. So, like, we got to think, hey, we, this test has to be start to finish not much longer than it takes to weigh in. Isn't that something? Okay, right. Wow. So the idea is, so it takes less than a minute to do one of the tests, whether it's a balance or a jump. But the the concept being like, instead of weighing in, why can't you just do a balance, get body weight, because the force plate measures body weight, but you get a million other data points at the same time, right? So this this concept of replacing the weight scale is kind of our our lofty goal and pace car, if you will. And are you using like AI or a, a certain platform to yeah. try to, I guess, put all these data points together and spit out something? Yeah, the the device we started with, the force plate, we we certainly didn't invent. Um, it exists in a lot of labs and research facilities. The challenge is, right, it produces a lot of data, which requires a lot of technicians mm -hmm. and subject matter experts to cleanse it and analyze it. So that's where we, you know, employed a lot of data scientists, machine learning experts to like be able to build in algorithms and models that can spit out those insights in real time, you know, back to the practitioner or back to the patient, right? And that kind of loop, right, is really only possible through more advanced data science like machine learning. And so I know you said you mentioned that you start off with sports. So football, I think I was even reading rugby. Uh, but military, are you also using this in um, like youth sports as well? Um, like high schools or what level, like what what other areas is this, is this applicable to? Yeah, I think any areas where there's mass populations right. and, you know, also like, you know, high, high concerns around injury. So there are some youth sports and high schools that are adopting it. You know, the biggest, you know, adoption rate we're seeing now is more in physical therapy clinics. Mm. And it's a lot around engagement, right? We've all probably gone through PT at some point. And one of the biggest challenges for therapists is how do they keep the patient engaged, right? right? Particularly if it's a long rehab process and you don't know if you're getting better, right? So and so giving them quantitative know, data that they can assess and, or, or I, I see, right? Yeah. right? You know, because, you know, you can only do wall sits or, you know, some basic PT exercises for so long before you get bored and wonder, 
is this even working, right? Because they're good interventions that are being used, but how do we use technology, right, to quantify that, to engage the patient and keep them going on the right path? Yeah, I feel like in, in healthcare in general, uh, of course, across the board, but specifically in healthcare, since we're all physicians, um, this is becoming more and more important and really the standard, right? That it's no longer subjectively, I feel better. You know, it's how much do you feel? Even pain scales, one to 10. Yeah. You know, you know, what does that mean? A smiley face, an upside down face. If you can quantify these physiological uh, responses uh, across the board, you're going to have more productive uh, interventions, et cetera. And I know that, and I was reading somewhere that it's kind of your mantra, right? Of controlling physiological responses. I have to ask, I'm going I'm to break a little bit here. I was reading about this coherence training where you like to control things, even like getting into sleep. And so since I suffer from insomnia, like a lot of Middle East guys do, so I was reading something, just explain to me that a little bit about the breathing and, and the heart rate and then getting into Delta sleep. It's very fascinating to me that uh, I guess given your athletic uh, background and, uh, you know, is, is that something that you do? Is that, is that, is that, is that true? Is that, is that something that is related to this product or is that something that's just, part of your inner being as an athlete, as someone who's interested in fitness? Yeah, that's more of a, um, we, we certainly bring in HRV data and, um, you know, and just for our listeners, what is HRV? So HRV is, yeah, heart rate variability. Ah. And the idea is, right, that it measures the distance between beat to beat of your heart. Mm -hmm. And the more irregular that distance is, the more random it is, actually the better it is. Because if you're more irregular or random in your beat-to-beat -beat duration, it's a sign that your nervous system is able to respond to external things in a better way. Um, and so really trying to promote that adaptiveness is a lot of times what helps boost HRV. And a good example is a lot of times athletes play one sport. So right. people have sports specialization, Right. So from a movement standpoint, they lack movement variability. Right. Right? So this concept of variability in your heart rate also applies to movement. So when we do assessments like a balance test, we assess your variability in your balance, right? Because what we see, and actually in the research with things like MS and Parkinson's, right. they have a reduced movement variability, right? You see that in the regular rigidity right, of Parkinsonism type symptoms. And so what you want in movement is very similar to HRV. You want some variability in how you balance and how you move. Otherwise, things like falls come up, they happen, right? Because if you slip, you don't have that variability to respond as well. Right. The future of this evolution would be treatment of, you know, specific disorders like Parkinson's and uh, MS. That, that'd be great. Because now we just do a one size fits all approach to it, medications and things like that. And the therapy doesn't seem to be very effective, but I, I think we're probably treating the wrong thing. Or one, or one, one size fits all, right? That, that, that's, you know, or not data driven, which I guess is the, really the, the key. Yeah. Sometimes those metrics, right. They're lagging. Right. So, you know, if we could use things like looking at movement and health earlier on in the disease process, could some of the things you guys are doing and physicians are doing have a greater impact Right. right. Because the system's more malleable at an early stage, right, in the disease progression. You know, the best example we use all the time is the country and, and medicine has done that with diabetes, made a meaningful impact because we started creating pre-diabetic diagnoses. Right? 
Yeah. Being much you more aggressive. You could probably have a pre-movement disorder right. diagnosis. That's right. That'd be awesome. That's right. right. Like, so before Parkinson's anyone disease. has the physical symptoms of oh, Parkinson's or MS, you could compare, I guess, their whatever parameters they have to the general population. And you could probably maybe make predictions on what their future musculoskeletal issues could be. That's it's amazing. And I thought I was just, I thought I was doing something when I was uh, putting in like chat GBT, like, uh, you know, what's the weather going to be in, in in 10 years? Or they have this one thing where you can do paintings. I thought that was cool. I forgot the name of it, but the, uh, I've like been recently looking into that. By using yeah, yeah. This AI stuff is crazy. Oh, uh, where you could put in, yeah, paintings and it'll create a painting. Yeah, put me a shoe, an abstract, and it'll have like. We're actually trying to use AI to replace nephrologists so we can maybe That's easy. That's easy. A little Clinton a little bit more free time to work on his basketball dreams. What what was a serious question? Do you think physical therapists are like at risk or the physical therapy industry is at risk? I no, I, I think it, it's changing, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times, you know, practitioners, you know, may have been trained to focus more on their value in doing the assessment, right? Yeah, but right. their value is more on doing the intervention. Makes sense, and, right. you know, that compliance, that patient practitioner interaction. So I think it, the idea hopefully is that tech frees up more time for that. Sure. Because ideally technology is better suited for assessments. It can gather more data, pick up more things, crowdsource across different areas. All that in real time, yeah. you know, which doesn't replace the physical therapist. It kind of shifts their role even more so to what matters. Yeah, you think even for you know, like we're both in cerebral specialties, ID and neurology. It's it's uh, not replacing, but you know, taking some of that data and helping with some of that analysis, initial analysis, so you can go further differential diagnosis and you can uh, intervene, you know, medically. I just had a question as I was talking about medicine. Uh, what is your background? I mean, is it sports medicine? Is we orthopedics? How did you get? Is it is it uh, family practice in sports medicine? Like, how, how did you get into this specifically? Yeah. So in medical school, I was you know going down the orthopedic route. Yeah. And you know when it came to match time, I had a mentor at USC in medical school and said, you know, if you're this passionate about changing the system, you're going to have a lot more impact doing it from the outside than from within. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, I ended up not, I finished medical school, didn't pursue a residency. And as a result, kind of, you know, started, started Sparta with the idea of, hey, let's work with practitioners, let's work with medicine, sure. this framework. But we don't get a whole lot of uh, education in medical school, like biomechanics. So this is something you already had a passion for background, or did you pursue additional training in biomechanics? Yeah, no, it was, yeah, from my background, I was, you know, worked a lot in strength conditioning mm. and 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 training, but then also uh, went to medical school where they have one of the top biomechanics programs yeah. down at USC, um, Southern California, and that spent a lot of time in the labs there yes. working, you know, to try to, you know, combine all these different disciplines. Mm. Oh, that's fascinating. And, you know, I know you, I think you were safety, right? You play football. I mean, uh, but... Are there any just out of our own interest? Are there? It's not just football, which I think very is a very violent sport. We know that, and one can ask. It was not surprising that you're going to have a lot of injuries, but right. 
sports like running, tennis, I mean, other sports that are non-contact, you see a lot of room for both uh, assessment and injury progression, injury prevention in these non-contact sports as well? Yeah, I think even more so. Even right? more so. Because, right. You know, in in sports like football, I mean, you can't avoid trauma a lot mm-hmm. of times. You know, it's it's a yeah, it's a planned car wreck, if you will, you know, every snap. Um, whereas in sports like tennis and running, right, there certainly are injuries there, but as you know, they tend to be more overuse, right? right? And so how can you identify ways to combat and prevent some of those overuse injuries by, you know, changing what sort of things you do to support that. And I think the goal is, right, if we can continue to do that, folks will be able to be active in what they enjoy for longer. And that's where some of these big impacts can be not only in the health systems, but on patients' lives. Yeah, I think one of the reasons why I like golf so much, because it has that 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 correlation with technology, like more so than I think any other sport. It's so right. tech and device heavy. And a lot of it's movement oriented because I think one of the issues with golf and the way it's taught, it was taught mostly from, you know, you, you move in this position and that position and it's all old school, but now the technology is advanced. So you see what the proper impact positions are and, you know, where the club should be at impact, those types of things. So, you know, I, that's and slowly trans. I'm sorry. Right. You, 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 there's engagement with like, Hey, I was hitting it this far. Now I'm hitting it that far. Right. And so you get this, you get so many but, crazy data yeah. points like the spin and smash factor and loft and all yeah. that stuff it's like there's no other sport that's like that i get at this point but i'm i'm saying basketball right. is becoming like that too as far as their you know yeah. their their um their obsession with the statistics so um yeah I, I think it's amazing i hope this uh actually spills into like you know just general exercise and and, and fitness for for patients because you know, even though the athletes, they do it for a competitive advantage, you know, patients should want to compete to stay alive and, and be well. So I think we have to, I guess the challenge is, uh, you know, with all this, all this technology we have and all these things that we have as our resource, how do we motivate people to want to be more physically fit and healthier and try to prevent injuries? So thank you for what you yeah. do. I think it's amazing. It's fascinating. You just tell us a little bit in the time you're remaining. Um, I know you're based in Menlo Park. California, but you know, what is the goals of Sparta? You know, like the, I mean, are you growing exponentially? Are you looking to have a niche market? Is this um, something that you see the growth potential? You know, what are the plans uh, for the future? Yes, I think our, yeah, we're, we're grateful. We're experiencing quite a bit of exponential growth as mm-hmm. we kind of add this healthcare component. Right. Now, a lot of it is around physical therapy. But as we expand, starting to include areas like neurology, like you mentioned, Parkinson's, MS, right? MS, yeah. Every condition has some link to movement in some way, either as a cause or result, right? Um, and so how can we better track that and encourage whether it's pain or obesity that limits movement, right? How can we identify the movement things that are needed to still allow activity to happen or, or prevent some of those issues from happening in the first place? You know, I think we'll, we always like end on a light note. So, well, I have a Clint, question. Clint, like, Clinton uh, plays golf. He actually very rare situation where he's not wearing his golf clothes. He's actually wearing a white coat and a stethoscope. That where, where, golf is, clothes that real, is that real or is that just peels right off? You go on the golf course right after this. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I forgot my question. Also, I went just on a very basic level. So when I go to a running store, and then so now I've even seen this where, you know, we'll just make running store du jour. Um, before you buy your shoes, you run on the treadmill, and then you put your feet on um, kind of like a gel, and they look at your, uh, you know, uh, are you an everter, are you a pronator, supinator, inverter? Is that at a very basic level kind of what we're talking about? Of course, this is talking about buying shoes, but it looks to me like at a very basic level, very quickly they're trying to assess what your running gait is and what specific shoes you you might utilize um, to prevent, obviously, overuse injury in the case of long distance running. But I'm assuming this is this was something that was, you know, I used to go and just buy a pair of shoes and call it a day. Obviously, it's buying running shoes or like any sports equipment is uh, you have to, you know, review and read and it takes, you know, days to figure out which one you want but um i think it's more of just a general statement that i see this more and more so so not just in running stores not just in uh, elite sports teams but i see it's across the board and since we're talking about medicine and hospitals um yes in the neurological departments ms parkinson's but even in uh, eventually in nursing homes or you know in geriatric medicine where you know which we know falls are so uh you know devastating because they lead to hip fractures and then dvts and PEs and you know circling the drain and, and just you know such a uh, a terrible start and just with sometimes unfortunate ends so um from the outside looking in i see this just as you mentioned exponential in terms of healthcare. Uh, yeah so many use cases i mean etc it's really it, it's i think it's something that's needed and you know like we mentioned we need to have more objective data that we can analyze and help our patients so thank you very much uh, for coming on and explaining to us yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think the interventions piece isn't just exercises, to your point. It can be equipment, yes. you know, like shoes you wear, right? Um, because those all have a, an impact in some way on how you move. Right, even like a tight sweater with a collar that's halfway open would, you know. You know what? Uh, it, it, I, I was working last weekend. I'm finally off. Uh, so I, I said, let's casual Friday, you know. Um, and uh, I may even... So could you off. help Actually, me? I, I want... I want to eventually run okay. the New York City Marathon. I've only done one five k in my life, um, at a respectable time, I might say he, for myself. He but, talks um, about this as if he as if he saved the world. You know, uh, this one five k he did, which I believe he walked part of. It was for Parkinson's. True? I ran. I ran. No, it's an and there was a pause. hill too. Sucked. But anyway, um, a hill. Yeah, one one hill. Not hilly. A hill. A hill. That's right. <laughs> and a hill in Central Park doesn't count. So I'm like, you know. Uh, it's not even a real hill, but um, uh, Dr. Phil Wagner, thank you so much for coming on, uh, you know, talking to us. Um, do you have any, for our listeners, like social media outlets, websites, LinkedIn, uh, you know, any, anyone who wants to find more information about your lab and about the great work you're doing, where can they find you online? Yes, yeah, so we've got a, a website, SpartaScience.com, and then, uh, yeah, on Twitter, at SpartaScience, and then our LinkedIn is, yeah, similar to SpartaScience, so... So we hope all our listeners, uh, you know, tune in and we certainly will as well. So thank you so much for coming on our show. Thank you so much to my colleague, Clint Coleman, who uh, showed up today. Uh, longer hairstyle, I see, and a little bit of a beard going haircut. on. And uh, all right, interesting. This is what uh, the maybe, kids are wearing nowadays. I'm trying to be like the kids. Same with me. I, I, my hair could be very That's what the kids are wearing? You know, just... Uh, but as always, uh, Dr. Serge Sager, Dr. Clayton Coleman, uh, we are very happy for you to tune in to Recommend Daily Dose. Please rate, listen, and subscribe. And until next time, be well. Thank you. Thank you.